Welcome to Biblical Foundations, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Studies at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm your co-host, Jimmy Rowe, along with Dr. Andreas Kostenberger. Join us as we discuss issues in biblical scholarship for the church. Thank you for joining us today at Biblical Foundations. I'm here with Dr. Andreas Kostenberger. Today, our guest is Abner Chow. Dr. Chow is Professor of Biblical Studies at the Master's College and Seminary. He's the author of several books, including The Hermeneutics of the Biblical Writers, Learning to Interpret Scripture from the Prophets and Apostles, published by Craigle in 2018. Dr. Chow, welcome to the podcast. It's a delight and honor to be here. I'm great to uh, be able to sit down with you and to talk about uh, your important book uh, on the hermeneutics of the biblical writers. Uh, in the introduction to your book, you say, and I quote, hermeneutics is not a negotiable issue. It is essential for the Christian walk. God puts a premium on getting it right and condemns those who twist the scripture. Thank you for these true and uncompromising words that I would dare say are countercultural in many ways in our our day, but that I think appropriately highlight the importance of hermeneutics and of getting it right. Um, as we introduce our listeners to you and your work, can you please tell us a bit about your background and academic preparation and also what first sparked your interest in, in hermeneutics and biblical studies? I think a lot of my background in hermeneutics and in biblical studies really came about because of my testimony. Uh, growing up, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were believers, uh, and uh, I heard about the gospel and accepted it at a young age. And I went to Awana where I memorized scripture, a lot of scripture, but I did it for all the wrong reasons. I did it so that I could get prizes. And so I could say the words, but I never knew what they meant. And so you could you could say, what is this verse? What does 2 Corinthians 5.21 say? And I could speak the words like a mathematical equation. But if you said, what does that actually mean? I wouldn't be able to articulate that. Right. And I was under the delusion because of such facility that I actually understood scripture. In fact, growing up, someone one time asked me, and I totally regret this. The Lord uses this to humble me to this very day. But I said, he said to me, would you ever consider studying theology when you grew up? And I said, well, biology, study of life, sociology, study of society, theology, study of God. I already know everything, so I don't need to study theology. I, I actually said that, uh, which is so preposterous and, and it's shameful. But, mm -hmm. but that was my attitude. And so I perceived the Bible to be boring and to be shallow a until in public school I was challenged on these issues. And I came home realizing I didn't understand the Bible at all. And my mother had been praying for me for years to come to that point. And I just asked her, how do I study the Bible? And I started to read the Bible and realized that I had, to, had it totally wrong, that the Bible was profound. The Bible was deep. It was sophisticated. It is the truth. It is glorious. And as a result of this, mm -hmm. that's what led me to say, never again. I'll never let anyone under my watch believe that the Bible is dull or shallow. And mm -hmm. so I went to the master's college 
and seminary to study the scriptures more. And there is where I began to study hermeneutics. I had a professor, Dr. William Varner, and he, in an advanced hermeneutics class, started to bring up how the New Testament uses the old. And all of a sudden, I had already wanted to see the depths of scripture. And that just opened it up even more because I started to see the connections of scripture, the complexity of how the New Testament thought about the Old Testament, which I would argue reflects the complexity of the Old Testament itself. And as a result of this, uh, and I even say this in the preface of the book, I spent the spring break of my senior year eating ramen and popcorn in my dorm room, never leaving it, just reading on the New Testament use of the old. And and that's what really sparked my interest in hermeneutics and in biblical studies. Well, we're appreciative of your work on the hermeneutics of the biblical writers. Uh, What would you say is the underlying burden and central thesis of your book in the driving passion behind your work? The underlying burden of the book is to vindicate the biblical writers, because oftentimes when people look at the New Testament's use of the old, whether that be skeptics or even those in evangelicalism, there is this attitude that, well, they they didn't really know what they were doing, or they did it wrong, or their hermeneutic reflects that we should have some degree of freedom in the way we can reinterpret a text. However, my desire is to show that we don't know better than them. They actually, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they know far better than we do. Mm -hmm. And as a result of this, their sophistication is not only their vindication, but the groundwork for all of theology. And, And so my goal, the underlying thesis, the underlying burden of this book is to show how the prophets and the apostles, they work together. They are hermeneutically consistent. And the outcome of that is that it epistemologically grounds how we think about Scripture. How do we know how to study the Bible and that we're doing it the right way? And I would articulate that the answer is because the Bible comes with hermeneutic included. It comes with a hermeneutic that the biblical writers, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they have done consistently from old to new. There is no other hermeneutic of Scripture, and therefore that is how we must interpret Scripture as well. I couldn't agree more, and I think it's just the simple and yet so profound premise that uh, we don't just get Scripture, we also get an embedded hermeneutic, and the way we get that is by looking at the biblical writers themselves. So thank you for making that case as forcefully and as as competently. I, I think it might be helpful for us to to go through the uh, you know the flow of the book a bit and you can guide us through that. And so the way I I I read it, you have a couple of chapters each on uh, the, the hermeneutic of the prophets, then on the apostles, and then you talk about what is a Christian hermeneutic looks like. So starting with the chapter, chapters on the prophets, you highlight their role very appropriately, but it's often overlooked as exegetes and theologians as well as being uh, God's spokespersons. Uh, you say that, and I quote, they legitimately developed certain theological implications from antecedent scripture via new revelation. So why don't you unpack for us What is the prophetic hermeneutic? The prophetic hermeneutic overall refers to how the Old Testament writers read their Bibles. And 
sometimes what you see is what you get. So we have this perception that the Old Testament writers, they were kind of ignorant. And this is a result of higher criticism, but they, they were ignorant. They didn't know what they were doing. They, they, they were wrapped up in the issues of their day. But what I want to do is to recreate, actually reform and reestablish how the Bible portrays these individuals and that they are not ignorant. They are theologians in their own right. They carefully handled the meaning of scripture, that's exegesis, and then under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they developed the ramifications or significance or implications of those texts. And that's where theology often takes place. And we can see uh, their firm commitment to authorial intent, one, by how they talk about the scriptures itself, the titles they use for scripture. It is God's word. It is the law. It is to be obeyed. It is to be heard. Those That kind of language already demonstrates their disposition, but we can show case study after case study, example after example, not only that these biblical writers of the Old Testament, they were immersed in scripture, but that they handled it with a great deal of accuracy. Uh, a simple one would be, how do how do the Old Testament writers handle the law? And nowhere, in fact, this is what holds the whole Old Testament together, mm-hmm. nowhere do they ever say, well, even though Moses condemned idolatry, we're going to change what that means now, and we're not going to interpret that passage anymore that way. No, the consistency of the blessings and curses, the consistency of the law in its precision is what holds the entire Old Testament story together. It's the very reason why Israel will fall into sin, and sin is sin defined by the Torah and defined by God, and why they are punished the way they are punished according to exactly what previous revelation says. And it is exactly why the prophets give the hope that they do, because it is predicated upon the promises of the covenants. All of that is consistently maintained even to a great deal of detail. Uh, one example in the book is how the prophets talk about the metaphor of an eagle. God says in Exodus that he lifted Israel out on eagle's wings. That is reiterated in Psalm 103. Again, it's even tied with the Exodus. And then in Isaiah chapter 40, we have the language of eagle's wings, but it's tied with a new Exodus. Well, there is an example where... In one way or another, eagle is always tied with Exodus. That's careful exegesis. They paid attention to the context. They even knew where an individual word was used and how exactly it was used. And then they also developed the implications of that from one Exodus to a second Exodus. That is theology. And the prophets are continually doing this kind of activity over and over and over again. And that's what drives both the unity of the Old Testament, but also its development theologically. I think that's that's excellent. Uh, underscoring the unity, and yet you have further development. Uh, makes me think of Fian Stewart, who called uh, the prophets, among other things, covenant enforcers. And that was at least you know one of their roles. Um, you're not trying to uh, limit the prophets merely to exegesis of antecedent scripture, though, right? I mean, in addition, uh, they received new revelation from God as well. That Absolutely. Guided their reading of, of antecedent scriptures. Yes. So, yes. so yeah. the only way you can have advancement of implication that's any way definitive is when God gives these prophets new revelation. Mm-hmm. And what they do 
when that new revelation is connected with old revelation, they maintain the meaning of the old revelation, but with the new information they are given, they just highlight because this old revelation is true, now God has revealed that this is the precise way these ramifications, these implications will play out in the rest of redemptive history. And so, yes, you you definitely have to acknowledge that new revelation is happening, and that is a primary role of a prophet. Uh, But at the same time, the concentration of the book is not interpreting what is new, but what has already been revealed, And and that really is the hermeneutical activity. So moving on to the New Testament, um, we see the apostles drawing on previous revelation. I think of texts like 1 Peter 1, you know, 10 through 12. Uh, wh- what would you say is the apostolic hermeneutic? I would say that the apostolic hermeneutic picks up the baton right from the prophetic hermeneutic. The prophetic hermeneutic in its interpretation, in its uh application of significance of text, it is deliberately moving to the New Testament, uh, that there is a directionality to the Old Testament itself, to the New Testament. And so the New Testament authors pick up right where the discussion left off from the Old Testament. And so just as the Old Testament writers, they were careful exegetes of text. They they understood it even down to the word, like I mentioned with the example of the eagle. The New Testament writers are the same. They read the Old Testament with a great deal of care. They read it with a great deal of precision. A simple example might be the author of Hebrews, how he uses the term rest to stitch together the Old Testament in a way that the Old Testament was already stitched together uh, because the word rest was so critical in Old Testament thinking and theology. And the New Testament authors just pick up from that. And again, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, new revelation is given that helps to winnow down and specify certain kinds of ramifications or implications of those texts, but nevertheless, they are congruent and legitimate ramifications of the Old Testament texts themselves. And so Mm -hmm. the way the Old Testament read itself is the way the New Testament reads the Old. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the Old, if done rightly, sets up so well for the New Testament, you can see where they're going with it. You can see where they're going. And of course, the new revelation, uh, you know, uh, climactically would involve the coming of Jesus Christ and uh, the way in which he fulfilled prophetic expectation and then the New Testament writers I would interpret that new revelation with regard to its implications, its relevance for uh, believers and so forth. So um, that would be the, uh, the, the way in which uh, the prophets are looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. The apostles are uh, looking back on that, drawing out the implications. But like you said, in many ways, the, uh, the method of, and the hermeneutic would be very congruent, right, in terms of the uh, exegeting and theologically exploring antecedent scripture. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and in fact, these play in harmony together. So the underlying methodology that is consistent is what drives the climactic reality of Jesus's coming and all that he does. In fact, Jesus is the paragon of this because uh, mm-hmm. what we can even observe is that he interprets the scripture very carefully. Uh, even someone like Earl Ellis will 
will comment on Jesus's precision in his hermeneutical approach to the Old Testament. But it's fascinating that the way Jesus articulated the Old Testament and applied and interpreted the Old Testament, rightfully so, is exactly the way the apostles do it as well. So Jesus talks about love your neighbor as yourself. And then all the apostles, all the New Testament writings Mm -hmm. pick up on that. Jesus will talk about him being the cornerstone. Jesus will talk about him being the stone that was rejected, Psalm 118. All the disciples, all the apostles, and 1 Peter, Ephesians, and the like, they will all Mm -hmm. comment on that. And so there is this climactic, consistent, yet climactic reality Mm -hmm. hermeneutically in Christ, and that just sets the trajectory for everything the apostles do. And and that kind of consistency is really unique mm-hmm. because if you look at Qumran, I mean, there, there are jokes that for every one text, there's four or five different interpretations. And yet with the New Testament's use of the old, what we notice is remarkable, mm-hmm. um, remarkable consistency, remarkable uniformity that is not found in any other of their peers. And that is significant. And that just attests to the absolute rigor of their hermeneutic. Love that. So you have the Old Testament and you have Jesus' own reading and interpretation of the Old Testament that then set the stage for the apostles to follow, uh, you know, in his in his footsteps. Uh, it makes me think of that wonderful book by R.T. France, Jesus in the Old Testament, uh, and that is something that I think uh, those of us who uh, have a high view of Scripture uh, can uh, unequivocally uh, affirm and even rejoice in that that we know how Jesus interpreted the Scriptures, as you know, uh, you know those who engage in various quests of the historical Jesus, so or especially in the wake of a uh, of a Bultmann, uh, you know, are largely agnostic, saying. All we have is the Easter faith of the early disciples. So I, I always uh, tell my students that we're actually an advantage here because we can uh, fully affirm that we know what Jesus, how he used the Old Testament. And I totally agree that that, that then um, the 12 followed Jesus and the biblical writers followed Jesus also when he came to his interpretation of the New Testament, that became the the standard and that became the uh, the authoritative matrix, if you will. Thank you for joining us today at Biblical Foundations. For more information, please visit the Center for Biblical Studies at Midwestern at cbs.mbts.edu. For further resources, please also visit biblicalfoundations.org. Please join us again next time at the Biblical Foundations podcast.